0: Salutations, everybody! Welcome to the sum Other useless podcast with Richard Wigand. I am Richard Wigand, and things are heating up so fast that we don't even have time for the theme song. No, uh, we just have never had a theme song. And I just wanted to get right into what I wanted to talk about because last week I did kind of like a roast. I could have go, I could have went all in, but it was like a, like a mini roast. Because as I was going through all the nominations, I was making little notes here and there, because, as I briefly discussed, that award shows in general, the ones that people pay attention to, the Oscars, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the Grammys, the Miscellaneous Country Awards, which are like if you're if you're into country uh, songs, and if you ever wanted to be a country singer and you wanted like you know they say an actor works towards wanting to be in a really Oscar winning movie and, you know, they 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 play the part just to win an Oscar. I could say the same thing about being a country singer, it's just that there are so many country award shows that you'd be you would be lucky that you could you had a possible chance of winning something. Country music is part of the Grammys they're part of the Country Music Awards, the American Music Awards, everything. And there's so many award shows over the years, like um, MTV would get really the news. And we don't hear a lot about that anymore. Generally because they probably get like the new kind of a celebrity. It's going to be an influencer. It's going to be a reality show person. And for the longest time, there's also the People's Choice Awards, which was hosted by... Queen Latifah. She so would just host like every year. And that was a thing. And that's different because that's by the people. You can actually vote. You know your average person can vote. Whereas your other award shows are like the Academy. Of votes for the Academy Awards. Hollywood Foreign Press. Or for the Golden Globes. Ooh. and You have different. You know every year. Different people want to boycott the award shows. So last week. When I was talking about. Golden Globe nominations, or, or excuse me, the Golden Globe winners, and I was talking about the nominations, the people who didn't get it, there are many that, who didn't win a Golden Globe, they did in fact win a Critics' Choice Award, my favorite show, Better Call Saul, got it, a Critics' Choice Award, Bob Jean Giancarlo Esposito, they both won awards, the Critics' Choice Award. Each award show, it's almost like it's a different kind of audience for each genre of movies. They say comedies aren't part of the Oscars, yet they try their best every year to get some comedian to host the Oscars to make it some kind of an an enchanted evening, and even that has lost its appeal over the years, but you hardly ever hear of a comedy Winning or even getting nominated, they, they, they just wouldn't get recognized. And there is a movie called For Your Consideration, which is a Christopher Guest movie, which nails it down to the fact of all the kinds of different entertainers out there. They're actually working on a movie within the movie. That is getting Oscar buzz, and it's poking fun at a movie that is making the, the, it while they're making it. They, there's Oscar buzz. I think that just gets into the heads of the actors and the filmmakers that are collaborating on you know, it really doesn't matter. For some for some productions, it really doesn't matter how well they do it because they they think that they're just going to get nominated just because, you know, Meryl Streep for years would get nominations just because she was Meryl Streep. I mean that that it's got it is the truth. And I've learned to kind of respect her later. It it, it, it it really did come later for me, for Meryl Streep. I did think she was overrated, just because everything that she was in had to get nominated for. And she would either win it or not. She's one of those women, you know, most of the time, like Leonardo DiCaprio, would get nominated and not win. That just became part of their career. It became of, hey, let's have an award show with Meryl Streep and Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's nominate them for a Anything they did that year, let's not give it to them. And that's the way it's been for years. Because one year she got nominated for a movie called It's Complicated. Now, I can see her getting nominated for a movie like Doubt. I think it was like the same movie at the time. But the fact that she got nominated for It's Complicated, which was like a off-comedy thing that was with Alec Baldwin. Uh-oh. Um, I forget who else is in it. Alec like Baldwin and somebody else is fighting over her. It's complicated. I don't know. But I was like, really? That is so well done that she had to get nominated for that? So it just blows my mind every year that these actors that get noticed for this work, you can see how these campaigns get started for these kinds of people. Jennifer Lawrence. Would get nominated just for anything that she was in that year, you you instantly understood that she's the new one that, that they want to push, and everything that she's gonna do is gonna be gold, and that's not true, but that's that's what they're gonna you know put in people's faces all the time, and now it's this, uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who got noticed for a um, playing chess movie. <sighs> from Netflix people really got into oh the um queen gambit can't think of what it's called queen gambit once she got recognition for that now everything she does whether it's mediocre or whatever she you know she's good she's you know whatever you want to call an actress but she's the new face that she's going to make maybe she, she's making these odd choices in movies um and we'll just see where it goes from there of if you know, she's giving the next Jennifer Lawrence, which are, which she's, they're two different kinds of actresses, but still on the same line of who we're we going to get to replace Meryl Streep once she stops acting. Because a lot of actors out there either want to stop acting, they, want, they, they have different kinds of mindsets. No, they don't want to stop acting. though, Or they, they want to quit while they're ahead. Or they want to not quit before they die. Because they just want to work and work and work. Then there's another award show called The Razzies. uh, Which is short for the Raspberry Awards. They they get nicknamed The Razzies. Last year, they got some attention for an odd category. Their Bruce Willis category. And Bruce Willis, it, it was worst performance by Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis movie of twenty twenty uh, one. I forget what because uh, it was last year, but they always do the year before, and they had to quickly apologize later because when he was diagnosed with aphasia, which if you're an actor with aphasia, it really completely. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna disrupt his regular life, not just his professional life. What he's chosen to be all these years as an actor but this aphasia just affects him talking and being able to understand and and writing different things they had to apologize for that because it this is what we're, we're going to come on again because i'm going to go over the razzies they, they came up with the list of the nominations for this year and as much as i can kind of agree with some of their choices you could just see the, like me talking about the last week was a mini-roast. That's me doing a mini-roast of the Golden Globes. The Razzies sounds like it's the ultimate roast of the Academy Awards because it takes the movies that didn't do so well and it really puts a spotlight on them. Now, this year in particular, they actually put a spotlight on movies that did get attention for good things, and he, well, good and bad, um, because it's kind of like they notice qualities in movies, like me saying how I think that Meryl Streep was overrated. They pick at little things in movies, and I think the point of them is that if you say that this is going to be, like for an Academy Award, you say this is going to be the best movies of the year, Not everybody is going to think that those are the best movies of the year. So then let's look at the movies that didn't fare so well. And there's a couple on here that got attention that was on the list for Golden Globes. But it was actually, you know, what the Golden Globes saw the positive in, the Razzies sees the negative in. So not to really be 100% on what the Razzies do, I do understand why they have them. It's kind of like the anti-award show while given an award. And Sondra Bullock in the past showed up to receive her Razzie as her statement of, yes, I was in a movie that didn't do so well. People made fun of it. People not... Now, it's not just about people making fun of it. It's about people not seeing it. Or, you know, obviously, if you're being deemed as the worst performance... Then somewhere along the line, a lot of people have seen it. So it's kind of like that, a fine line between movies that do well and movies that don't do well. But your movies that don't do well may get seen by the same number of people who do see the ones that are considered the top of the line. Because you have to have a fine, you just can't nominate somebody for worst performance and not see their performance. So you have seen. The bad thing, as much as you would have seen somebody perform what they would consider a great performance. So, you have a movie like Elvis that gets attention by the Golden Globes, and Austin Butler gets it for portraying Elvis. Tom Hanks did not receive any nominations for being an Elvis, but he did get a few. Razzie nominations, for a few projects that he did. One, he got nominated for Geppetto, which is a Robert Zemeckis movie that was on Disney Plus. And then he got nominated for Elvis, but the category that he got nominated for is again once what we call this, this roasting. Thing, he Tom Hanks got nominated. As worst supporting actor, worst actor for Geppetto, like I said. But the third one was worst screen couple. And one is too uh, provocative that I don't really want to say on this show. You have to look it up. But Tom Hanks got nominated for worst screen couple. Or Tom Hanks and his latex laden face and ludicrous accent. They count that as a couple. So that's the humorous, you know, actually you'd say more of a satiric take. Always other people actually got nominated. Well, here's an interesting one. Worst couple, Andrew Dominic, and his issues with women. That's a good one. Because another movie that got a lot of Razzie nominations was Blonde. As odd as it is, Blonde got nominated for Worst Picture. It got nominated for Worst Remake slash Ripoff slash Sequel. It got another actor... Xavier Samuel from Blonde and Evan Williams from Blonde both got Worst Supporting Actor nominations. And like I said, the director, Worst, worst Director, he got two, even including Worst Director, Worst Screenplay. So they, they tie this up that Blonde got like eight nominations. But Honor Armas did not get a Razzie nomination. So that plays into the idea that people were more into her as the idea of her being Marilyn Monroe than actually watching it. And maybe watching a few clips, you go, oh, she is pretty impressive, or, you know, she obviously wasn't the worst performance, but they pretty much broke the rest of the movie down to Worst of everything else, but the director—that's that's a good one because I talked about it before. That Blonde was loosely based off this novel, and they even admit that they deliberately wanted to leave things out of the novel, and the novel itself isn't a hundred percent. And many people were disappointed in the fact that, once again, this story, this movie about Marilyn Monroe is being made and it's not told in the best circumstances. And they've changed things and they're leaving out things. And I think leaving out things is worse than changing things, I think. Depending on what movie you watch. It could be about equal, but... A lot of times when they leave things out it's either because it doesn't help whatever story they're telling which is changing things because if they're changing somebody's life they want it to be a certain narrative and leaving something out would alter that so the movie that comes to mind coincidentally is another tom hanks movie it's where he plays walt disney They leave so much out and they're playing around with with well I'll tell you what at the end of the movie, spoilers they play recordings of interviews of conversations between Walt Disney and the author of Mary Poppins and that itself is showing that what they had to work with, their source material, wasn't real visuals. It was just these recordings that could be easily manipulated. So they're, they're, they're taking, I mean, interview video interviews could be manipulated also, but they were taking a lot of the recordings and turned them into scenes, which made it look like that these events actually happened in real life. They did and they didn't. They didn't happen the way that it was. They are recordings, which is different than meeting somebody in person, because in the show, they meet in person. So they play with things here and there for Saving Mr. Banks, and then they leave out the part where she was estranged from her daughter. In the movie, they didn't even mention that she has a daughter. So it's little things like that, but little things turn into big things quite quickly, because they could contradict what they would... Um, want to tell as a story we recently saw a movie called Jerry and Marge Go Large lucky enough to see that I got that for Christmas lucky enough to see it it was a Paramount Plus exclusive it got to be released on DVD it's about a husband and wife the husband figures out how to play the lottery and he he does it in a legal way to make money and he you know, accumulates money uh, in different places here and there, playing the same game, gathering his whole community to gamble with him because they know that they're going to win a certain amount. But they leave out little things here and there They would otherwise they either, either think like for one thing they leave out the fact that the, they had a store in real life. And not having that Changes the dynamic between all the characters and all of what they think, but that's when the people turn into characters You know in real life. You don't think about it like that. They leave out how many children they had Those are big things to leave out You know, they had a lot. Of, they had quite a lot of kids And in the movie it did picks that they only focused on two a son and a daughter So using that as an example Doing a movie like Blonde. you think that you'd want to get it right. Why else tell the story? It's kind of like last year we had Meet the Ricardos. And that was like a train wreck from the very beginning. But it's like a train wreck that they wanted to be a train wreck. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that they were making it just to you know, show that There was this different side to Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Here's what you didn't know. At the same time, let's play around with the facts enough for you to kind of lose track of what's real and what's not. And then people are all of a sudden, I don't know if you ever had a conversation with somebody about a real movie, but I, I bet it would be kind of quite confusing because as soon as I see it based on a true story movie, I have to look it up to figure out what the truth is, to figure out if this film is getting it right, and it just, it it bothers me, depending on what movie, it bothers me, some, I guess you care, care less, but a movie like Blonde, you think would want to tell the truth, but they're doing it in a way that looks like it's the truth. At the same time of saying that it's not the truth, playing around with different events. I just think that that's wrong. So I agree with the Razzies giving so many nominations to Blonde because it only serves them right. And I don't like directors like the guy that did this, to have this attitude that he doesn't care what people think. Yes he does. Because otherwise he wouldn't say he doesn't care what people think. To some degree, you do care. Because you care about the positive things that are said about your film. It's kind of like a James Cameron kind of thing. Don't tell him that you aren't into what he does. That's my problem with Avatar. Is knowing that there are so many movies coming out. I would be more mystified if we all didn't know how many were planned. Because it's kind of like I saw this video of Marvel when he released all these projects and everybody's excited about it. That's money. You know, every property that was shown on the screen was money. That could be one way of looking at it. That's the way I've looked at it. For whatever reason, that was my thinking when I saw all those. I just saw all the money that they're going to be making which plays into the head of James Cameron who wants his films to rise above Marvel and Quentin Tarantino wants his films to rise and get out of the whole Marvel era. You know there's different things that I agree and disagree with James Cameron and Quentin Tarantino because they're they're both one is trying harder to bypass it one just is waiting for the day to do something unique and different but I think James Cameron's idea of going up to 5 and maybe a 6 I mean I guess it's no different than watching a TV show and if you watch a show with a plan like At some point, Lost had a plan. And even though people were not happy with the ending, the writers and everybody still had a structure of, we're going to do six seasons. We know we're going to stop. Other shows, many shows, don't work like that. 24 never worked like that. 24's whole premise was, real time, every hour, every season is a day, and then as seasons go by, they would change the time frame of years, but then would still go back into real time. So then after everything's said and done, you don't have seven or eight seasons that would be like a week. It's a week, but it's inconsistent week of time. And then 24 would come back and do a movie. 24 would come back and do a reboot. So that, that's shows that don't have plans. But just imagine if 24 started next week and already knowing you're going to watch the show for seven years. How fast could you get into it? These days with binging, people have more access to all this stuff. That's why these things keep coming back. Because they're not looking at the numbers. They're they're looking at some numbers of new shows. But I swear they're looking at the numbers of the old shows. And that's where they determine, well, maybe we should do another Full House. Maybe we should bring back Gilmore Girls. Let's bring them back, not on network TV. So that structure is different. James Cameron has even looked at his films as, you know, instead of doing episodic television, these are stories. Every year is going to be a story. Every movie is going to be a different story. But we're talking, the next one's not set until next year. I think at the end of next year, 2024, that would put them up to number three. And then, you, then from there you just count down to three more films that have to be released between 2026 and on. I mean, I don't know how fast he's working at this. This is going to be a lot, and it's a lot to take in. And you know, once again, they've made their they've they have made it past two billion dollars now. And he's only happy because he wants to surpass all the Marvel stuff. He just wants to put something that isn't Marvel, which is a kind of a thing here no here nor there, because his when he first started Avatar it was twentieth Century Fox. And by the time he finished the second one, Fox has been owned by Disney, so Avatar gets to be streamed on Disney Plus. So his his film is technically a Disney movie. It is because so many years went by. You know, he he could have had it, but things are set differently now. And I don't know. It just it's a lot of money's floating out there, <laughs> and people are just. It, he wants to surpass all. Well, that's what I was saying. The Marvel movies are Disney, so he's competing against. The same studio, so he's not really competing. So I don't know what that is, you know, where you're acting like you want to be better than the superhero movies, yet you're working alongside them. That's, that is that, that, that that's what it is. <laughs> he is Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water is a Disney movie. So there you have, it, folks. James Cameron, Avatar, Megan. Megan Disney movies all over the place now. He's going to be working for Disney for the rest of his life. I also don't like the fact that one of his claims to fame is based off a tragedy The Sinking of the Titanic. That in it. I've seen a Titanic casino game. That shows you the, the level that, that there are people out there how much they're willing to make some sort of money off of anything while saying mm-hmm. that's not why they're doing it. You know, James Cameron can say whatever, but these avatar things, I don't know, This this is what's going to inspire. He he doesn't think that superheroes inspire children, or they shouldn't, because of the direction they're going. They're just now getting women heroes into movies and more diverse movies, and that's a bad thing. You know, we wouldn't have to say diverse so much if everybody was included right from the get-go. And the problem is, They're not, so when you go back to redo, like I just saw this thing about M and M's. M and M's are, um, their spoke candies are all stepping down. It's now going to be, Maya Rudolph. And I'm like, this plays into the wrong thought process. Every time they want to help. And they think that they're uh, increasing the awareness of a situation. You have to, because nobody else is aware. That's why we have awareness for different kinds of organizations out there, because it's about spreading the word. So, Eminem had this campaign last year to introduce these new candies. And people don't like that the M&M's weren't sexy enough or something. Some some Fox News crazy nut thought that that was the direction that they were going. That M&M's were being dialed down. Now the M&M's official statement doesn't reflect that. Because it's awkward for them to come out and say we have to let go of these spoke candies because we don't make our female M&M's as attractive as they Used to be. Whatever that means. I just think it plays into the wrong thought process. And it goes to what James Cameron was saying about his thinking about superheroes. I grew up with superheroes. But to a certain point, the superheroes got darker. Graphic novels made them darker. These events in the comic books exceeded supernatural levels, it became like hardcore events and scary things and violent images that kids would grow up with. That's that. I grew up on the whole ideology that TV will rot your brain. There's too much violence and sex on TV. These days, yes there is, more so streaming. Now you're paying for it. Now you're paying to see more. As far as violence goes, James Cameron has said he's dialing down the violence in his movies because he doesn't want to put that out there. Comic book movies under the Disney banner, are they, they, they do have to walk a fine line of what they do. and I, As I mentioned before, they have to watch how many people they kill in a movie because it is, it is in fact a Disney movie now. Whereas DC can do whatever they want. They're Warner Brothers. They're here and there. They're Harry Potter. People don't really like Harry Potter anymore. Anyways, they can be as violent as they want. Which is still bad. You still have things. But bad stuff can happen on national TV. That could happen years ago. Or would be a big stream on cable shows. Your cable shows of today now have to compete what's on network TV. And then it comes down to it. Well, maybe we just won't put stuff like that on network TV. We'll save the good stuff, which is actually the bad stuff, but it's the good bad stuff for cable. Now that, that ideology is being applied to streaming. Children growing up wanting to be Batman or wanting to be X-Men, which X-Men are mutants, and that whole thing is like a fantasy. Not real. None of it is real. But your characters that have superpowers, you know, I don't know if you do this, but shooting a web out of your hand isn't a thing. It's a comic book thing. Children need certain things like that they can use as imagination, playing with your action figures. They need that. They have that. And they can have that without the internet. They can have that. They, they really can. It's just that more kids these days are into apps and stuff. So you're you're floating that idea out there that, you know, Avatar is completely all digital. And he wants these films to be more influential towards children, which I don't see it. I really don't see it where he wants to take down superhero movies and... He thinks it's more empowering to watch a pregnant hero fight. Okay, um, you know you set the standard in the '80s with your, like we uh, said last week, his he he did have female-driven characters that that let that led films that were successful that could be, you know, looked up as heroes And they're women, you know. But avatars, that's what kids are going to grow up and want to be You know, by the time Avatar 5 comes out. They're going to be whatever the avatar is. They're going to be running around the house naked, floating in water. I don't know what they do. He, he's sending a bunch of mixed messages. And I wish he would stay consistent on his thinking process because every day I read something different that goes... That doesn't sound like the same guy. He just has these opinions. Like everybody does. But he likes to be the one that says, Oh, I'm just putting that out there. But, you know, I didn't put it out there. But I did put it out there. Just just read the James Cameron things. Just, just read it. He's really hard to respect. I know many people out there will disagree with me. But I just don't see the appeal... In these films. I really don't. You know, The Terminator is different. It seemed like every film he had a problem with. Because the people he wanted. He he wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger. Actually excuse me. No. He wanted Lance Hendrickson. I think as the Terminator. Studio d- didn't want Lance Hendrickson. They wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you have different one person has an idea, they think it's the best, then another person comes along and says, we're not doing that. So then you collaborate and you come with a better idea. This guy wants to skip a few processes, cheat the system, and call it original. You know? I don't know. It's so tiring talking about it. Again, I don't know how I'm going to see it because it doesn't look Appealing to me. And I'm into animation. I am. I just never followed James Cameron in his career. Never wanted to. So yeah. Gotta stop right there. That's enough of that. (laughs) I thank you for listening thus far. Don't forget to subscribe if you already haven't. To Some of podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and Breaker. Hopefully next time we have, I have this idea of what I want to do next time. And then I have this strange feeling I'll be talking about James Cameron again. But till then, hopefully you'll hear from me soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.